This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! My beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This is season 14, episode 5. And tonight we're going to Hollywood, Hollywood, where all your dreams can come true. All it requires is a little bit of ambition and a whole lot of sacrifice. We're talking about Starry Eyes from 2014. And to do that, I'm going to be joined by the incredibly talented Maya Murphy from Damian Wonka Lewis and. A burlesque performer and purveyor of fabulous soaps, Matt Knife. But before we do any of that, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I have been your humble guide through the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very gay little eyes. Okay, screamers, little peek behind the curtain here. It seems that every year... Every single season of Scream Queens, there's always one episode that tries to kill me. There's always one episode that's going to take my endurance and my sanity and push it to the limits. This is that episode for season 14. That is why it is a week late. Because it's been an absolute nightmare for me to put together because we had some problems with the recording. We have most transparent was there was an echo coming from Maya's end. My, my, or rather from my end, my track was picking up Maya's track. So it was this awful doubling. And Matt, his husband was making dinner in the kitchen. So there's a whole lot of pot walloping noise in the background, a lot of clanking and clunking. and, And Matt knifes microphone. He doesn't have an advanced fancy podcaster mic. So those cheap mics, they always want to go to the loudest sound. So it really wanted to focus on that sound in the kitchen. So Matt's voice kept going in and out and in and out volume-wise. And there's no easy fix for that. There's no, like, one button I can push and whoosh, it all sounds fine. No, 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 no. I had to go in and individually address every single moment. And the more you fiddle with an audio track, especially when you're dealing with multiple tracks, the more likely they're going to get out of sync. All of a sudden, a track will be like, 30 seconds off, 40 seconds off, and they're not syncing up. And then I have to go back through all of my work and figure out where I screwed up and put the whole thing back together. Now, just stretch that out for two weeks. Because the other thing is, the longer you fumble around with a podcast episode, the more effed up you're going to make it. And that's where we are. But here we are. It's done. And even though I have spent all this extra time, even though this episode was a week late getting to you because I had to fix all these problems, there's still problems. There's still an echo occasionally. There's still a lot of banging and clanging because not all these problems can be fixed. Not all the problems could be completely fixed. So there's still residual problems. But it's the best I can do, damn you all! (laughs) And I think... You've waited long enough, so let's get down to business. Remember, the movie we're talking about is Starry Eyes. It is available to watch on Peacock, on Tubi, Plex, Pluto, and the Roku channel for free. And since we cannot discuss the movie here, 
without spoiling it, because if we're going to get deep into the movie, we have to be able to get into the ending of the movie. I highly recommend you watch the movie before you advance any further. You've been warned. You've been waiting long enough. So let's get down to business and head on out to Hollywood for a tale of idolatry, sacrifice, and immortality. Let's meet the new gods of Hollywood in starry eyes. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Welcome to Big Taters. My name is Sarah. Can I start you guys off with an order of our freedom tots? We got all these people, all our friends. They're just sitting around trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to make something. I thought you were avoiding me. Why would you think that? Because I stole your role. Going on with you lately? I work so hard. Every week it's a new class, a new audition. Hopefully you'll see something in me. I know I'd be great for this. We'll be in touch. your girl. I will do whatever it takes for this role. And so my beautiful, beautiful screamers for this episode of Scream Queens, I decided we're going to take a little trip, a little trip to Hollywood, Tinseltown, a land of beautiful people doing beautiful things, living beautiful lives where dreams come true every day and they can happen to you too. All it takes is a little ambition, a little sacrifice and we're talking about the movie Starry Eyes from 2014. And to do that, I wanted to bring on two very specific people because I think there's something lurking deep under the surface of this film that I think these two will help me uncover. One is a fantastic voiceover actor and also my co-host at Dammy Wonka Lewis. And the other one is the Baron of Soap himself. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and my NBs, wherever you may be, my Murphy and Matt Nice. be a baron <laughs> well i mean you can just call yourself one like i do <laughs> you're in the maybe place. i will listen you're- this is a movie where dreams come true maya anything can happen Amazing. anything can happen it can happen to you all those stories you hear about hollywood where dreams just happen to ordinary people walking in the street they're all true i prefer it didn't i've seen this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how are you both how are you both Matt Knife, it's been a hot minute. Please, um, um, it's it's been a hot minute. So please introduce yourself to everybody again. Tell us all about Baron Von Soap. Hello, I'm Matt Knife, um, and I have a cold process uh, soap company here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I make uh, a 
broad scent of our broad range of scents. We have fruity floral, we have herbal, we have spicy, earthy ones. So there's kind of something for everybody. They're mostly plant-based. Most of them are vegan. There's a few with honey, but it's great little, great little venture, little cottage industry business here. So I'm also a painter and a burlesque performer. Fabulous. fabulous. I already told Matt Knife this story, so I'm not going to tell it again because I think it bears repeating. Um, I, I buy Matt's soaps regularly, and you know, I, I get sensitive skin and a sensitive nose, so I'm always a little leery about what to buy. But every time I buy a batch, I always try to ba- buy some one of his more exotic scents because you got some wild stuff out there. Um, because you're also a practicing witch and, and you're very much into all that sort of, um, esoteric stuff. And like you're, you're combi- combining a lot of scents aren't the usual things that you get. They're not just strawberry and cream and things like that. So I try to always get one of those as well. There's that one you have called Hecate, uh, Hecate's dream. Is that it? Hecate, yeah. yeah. Or Hecate, whichever one you want to say. I say Hecate. I say Hecate because that's what, that's what Willow said on the Buffett show. But anyway, I told Matt, I opened up the soap and started washing with it and had this instant scent flashback that was so strong. Like all of a sudden I'm seven years old and I'm shopping with my mom at this particular weird little store she used to go to in this tiny little town that she'd spent hours at and I'd be miserable. And I don't know why I was there, but it was so strong. I hadn't thought of that place in 30 years. It was a little gift from Hecate that I still don't understand, but someday I will. Oh, well, I mean, she is the goddess of journeyings. So, I mean, they do, they've do they done studies. Scent is super triggering to memories. Like, we've done, we do the Austin Witches Market here a lot. And um, we've had so many people, like, stand at our table, pick up a sample, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm 12 again. Or I'm, you know, it just reminds me of my first boyfriend or my grandma. Or So it's really cool. I had a little magic from Matt's soap, and it could happen to you, too. Who knows? Who knows? Maya, what's going on with you? I just wrapped voiceover on my first player character video game. Um, So, yay! yay! It's called Rosewater. You can wishlist it on Steam. It's a point and click that'll be out next year. Fabulous. We love that. So that's become yes, a that, that's that's been oh, okay. So remember that came up last year on on Demi Wonka Lewis, but I guess now now it's actually in the in the camp. Oh yeah, it's in the camp. We we started uh, because because I'm the player character and because it's a point and click with extensive writing. Um, they they wrapped all the I don't want to say side characters. Everyone's amazing. Oh, they, they they wrapped the non player characters earlier because you go to a place, you interact mm-hmm. with some people, and then a select few of them are your companions and they travel with you. Um, but as the game is um, it approached completion, like, oh, we realized we need to cover our, uh, like a plot hole. We need to connect this and this or tell the player what happened to this object or this person. So then they're like, oh, because my, my character is a writer. She has these diary entries and she finishes the story. So as the game continues or as we continued recording, I could then record the things that they were still writing because it is indie. It's an extremely small team. It was something they were still working on where if you're doing voiceover for like a, a triple a title from a big studio tends to be like, it's written in advance. It's locked in. You come in and that ready is to go. what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yay. Excellent. We look forward yeah. to that. Let's, we all go play with Maya. 
in in a totally consensual and normal, uh, not creepy way. way yes, one hundred percent. If you want to, if you want to play with Maya in a creepy way, I'm in a point and click vampire game coming out soon. That one's called Nighthawks. Oh, okay. uh, you can find that on Steam as well. Oh, nice. Thank you very much for sharing that. Okay, so we're here to talk about a movie. We're here to talk about the movie Starry Eyes from 2014. Matt and I, if you haven't been here in a hot minute, Matt, I would like you to give me a nice tight 30 second plot summary of the movie Starry Eyes. The clock starts now. No pressure. A group of actors in the early 2000s and the early teens are trying to make it in L.A. Uh, One of them gets an unusual audition offer, shows up, and there are nefarious things at play. Okay, good. Uh, Maya, anything you'd like to add to that? The actor who meets with the nefarious casting beings um, buys into a pact for her success in stardom. Nefarious things continue to happen. <laughs> Today's word is nefarious. <laughs> nefarious. It's a good word. It's a good word. I'm just going to say, or do they? Because I've got theories about this movie, which we'll get into. Okay, so, Starry Eyes. Uh... Written and directed by Kevin Colch and Dennis Widmeyer. They also worked on, they went on to do the Pet Cemetery remake. Uh, they worked on the Scream TV series. And they did a fabulous little movie in 2009 called Absence, which I completely forgot about. So I looked it up. Um, but the other person I want to mention is that this was produced. One of the producers on this was Travis Stevens. Travis Stevens has come up on this show a lot. And actually, it came up the last time Matt Knife was on the show because he was also the director of A Wounded Fawn. And he also uh, worked on a uh, Girl on the Third Floor, Jacob's Wife with Barbara Crampton, Cheap Thrills with Pat Healy, who's in this movie. Uh, we are still here also with Barbara Crampton, Big Ass Spider. Um, he's known for doing things that subvert the usual horror genre tropes. The biggest recurring note I have for this is Uno Reverse. <laughs> like the card game? <laughs> Just, uh, oh, you thought this was coming. Nope, it's oh, this. Okay. <laughs> Draw four. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Nope. Draw <laughs> your friend's face. Uh, Psych. <laughs> but uh, the 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 big star of the movie, like the centerpiece of this movie, is an actor uh, named Alexandra Esso. What a fabulous performance, in my personal opinion. Well, and she's a legit scream queen. There aren't many this generation, and her her resume is extensive. Yeah. This 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 was her first big thing, though. This is this is what made her. This is what put her on the map. Oh, and then she ran off to go hang with Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah. For she, several she's, a, projects. she's a Flanagan now. And good for her. Uh, yeah, she was in. Uh, uh, she's, good for her. She was just in the Pope's uh, Pope's Exorcist. Uh, but she was in Midnight Club, Midnight Mass, Bly Manor, Dr. Sleep. Um, she, does. she does a fabulous Shelley Duvall in Dr. Sleep. That is not easy. She does. She does. And what I what I th- what really struck me this last time through, I said, there is not a scene in this movie that she's not in. But they also apparently shot it in like 18 days. It must have been a marathon. Mm-hmm. I don't know when she slept. I was Sleep looking at that limbs. too. I was like, that had to have been intense. But I mean, it wasn't really particularly demanding like set wise. I mean, the murder scenes were really the most complicated ones and maybe the ritual at the end. Oh, I think that's just lack of budget personally. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, you work with what you got. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. But I'm also I'm thinking of all the scenes where with like particularly later on in the movie where she's where where it turns into a 
Cronenberg body horror thing. The contortions and the step, the step. Well, she is. Why should Maya's making faces? She's making scrunchy face at me. Okay, okay. So when I didn't know what this project was before I did any of my homework, I got a poster with prosthetics we never see in the movie, and I got a quote comparing it to Cronenberg and someone else. I didn't get Cronenberg out of this. Lynch. Okay, I, I understand the apocryphal story about Lynch, but uh, I didn't. I didn't get Cronenberg from this. That's what my eye roll is. Okay, okay. I'm just saying we go through we go through time where her body's rebelling against her, and it. I'm just saying like she's going through some contortions and like horrible things that look like they were exhausting. Like I can't imagine doing she's that. She's arching her back to stick her boobs all oh the way out god. of her tank. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> well, there were there why were. Are you some, de- why are you demeaning her work, Maya? <laughs> I mean, her work is amazing. Oh, sorry, excuse me. I will say that I did think that there was some really beautiful like nude film happening like especially in some of those like transformation scenes like there was one where i think it was like her neck was back like this and just the musculature and the lighting and it was just really really beautiful yes yes concur um okay so so walk me through the beginning like okay so where, where, where this movie's opening where are we what's happening we're in la she has a crummy job at a fast casual restaurant big taters uh Big Taters. I love Big Taters. Um, Hi, welcome to Big Taters. My name is Sarah. Can I start you guys off with an order of our Freedom Tots? I have, I have a point about that that I don't want to get into right now, but we're going to loop back around on, on Big Taters. Uh, she takes acting class, and it's not going super well for her. Uh, she has a friend group, and they all seem kind of losery. <laughs> They're trying some of them, but like they mostly hang around. But there's like a weird hierarchy amongst them too. Like you get a like there's the one friend that like is just sarcastic enough that you're like, do you like me? Like I mean, why do you like? I mean, it's just like it's that one friend that's like, oh, like stick the salt in the wound. She says something mean, and then she goes, "I was kidding. It was a joke." You be talking about Aaron. I think we're talking about Simone. No, Simone is the character she's playing in the movie. And Everything out of Aaron's mouth is just that double-edged actor bullshit thing. I'm playing Simone. She has the best lines in the whole thing. I've been writing it, and Aaron has been providing some very insightful I am honestly actually kind of surprised to see you here. I thought you were avoiding me. Aaron. Why would you think that? Because I stole your role. I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. Oh, Sarah. don't worry. Okay. I didn't even know that you auditioned for it, and it was just a stupid commercial. Honestly, it was kind of a horrible experience anyway. The director was a total perv. You should be glad that you didn't get it. Oh, my God. I thought you were avoiding me because I stole your job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't have liked it. It was, it was just a stupid commercial. <laughs> it's only a national. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. Oh, you, you got you got sent home. I should send them my headshot. Oh, it was a joke, girl. It was a joke. Are you a little overdressed? It's. I hate her so much. Are you really going to meet the producer wearing that? Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! No, are you coming to the performation? Uh, you totally have to. Everyone's going to perform something. Oh, uh, perform? Yeah, we'll finally get to see those acting chops that we've heard so much about. Ashley? Okay. I like your sh. Did you do something with your hair? No. No, are you coming to the performation? Uh, you totally have to. Everyone's going to perform something. Oh, uh, perform? Yeah, we'll finally get to see those acting chops that we've heard so much about. Ashley? Okay. 
just actors anybody could be like that but like it's that just it's prominent in actors i think you're yeah. spot on well, I've, I've worked a lot in the entertainment industry so like i mean i've spent a lot of time backstage with performers and actors and so i mean i've seen certain levels of narcissism and the crap that they do to each other and yeah so <laughs> this whole movie was very triggering <laughs> Yes. Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. Because, yeah, because like you said, this friend group, I'm like, I get this friend group because they're they're all thinking they're doing their thing and they're all young and vibrant and they're talented, but they're not really working on anything, but they talk about working on stuff all the time. Like, we're going to do this project and that project, but they never actually do the projects. And then they take and pictures Eric, of them jumping around their pool. Like, that's going to be the art they're making. That's what they're actually doing. And then we get this Aaron character who I said, I know her. We all know her, right? We all know that character. And sometimes I am her. <laughs> Just a little bit. Sometimes I am her as well. A little bit. I'm not calling you the only Aaron on this call, Patrick. No, no. I mean, I used to very much be that character. So I'm like, oh, I hope I die horribly in this film because <laughs> <laughs> I deserve it. I know what an asshole I used to be. So, one of the things I noted visually. Was, so, would you back. say, Patrick, when you were acting like that, was it coming from like insecurity? Oh gosh, this is a long story, Matthew. I. All right. I can do the Back short with- version of why I tried to act like that. It's short. He did. He didn't ask you. Well, no, I mean, like, it's, and it's kind of a yes or no question. Like, I mean, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not for me. But yes, it is. But it was. Um. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to go for uh, the short version, if you ever read the was it the Velvet Rope Crimson Rope, whatever that book is, um, I, I got stuck in stage two. The gay one. Pushing the velvet. Sorry. That's no, 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 no. Tipping the velvet. Ding dong. Patrick from the future here chiming in to let you know that the book that I'm trying to think of is The Velvet Rage, Overcoming the Pain of Growing Up Gay, written by Alan Down. 100% worth a read to find out why gay men do the things we do. Back to the show. <laughs> I got stuck developmentally at stage two. Like I just was, I always had to make sure that I was the best at everything at all times, at all costs. I figured out how to read people, uh, find out your weak spot and just go for it. But in that fun way, it's just a joke. <laughs> Make sure that I was always top dog in the room. It was not, a, I'm not proud of that time. It's just where it was. Um, how old were you? Anywho. Okay. <sighs> Early twenties. I have to cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matthew, it went on for a really long time and it's a longer story than it, than it needs to be. So I got, I, I learned bullying as a survival method when I was being bullied. No, that's, in order that's to in order, in order to survive very, very in order to survive well, I had to become one and then I held on to it for way too long. There was a certain point where I should have grown out of it and I didn't. And it really went on through my 30s until I got sick. It was it wasn't until I got sick and got better and all of a sudden realized I don't have a lot of anger that I used to have anymore. Yeah, cuz that's like not the person I know at all. I like to say that bully person is the one who died in the hospital, not me. Good. I'm glad. Well, the reason why I asked that wasn't to like put you on the spot or to psychoanalyze you. But you did. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, it's because I kind of think that that's like a theme in this a bit. It's like sort of insecurity. And it's like, you know, the balance between like, you know, being secure and being, or being ambitious, but also being slightly insecure and inexperienced. Speaking of being ambitious, my future husband is in this film. (laughs) 
<laughs> Noah Segan. I mean, there's not a lot of names in this movie, but Noah Segan is very much, well, he's much, he's a name now. Um, Noah Segan did a whole bunch of independent horror back in the day. He was in uh, Infamously Dead Girl. He was in All About Evil, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, undocumented for Trey Dean. I know you're listening. He used to be in the Babysitter's Club TV show. And um, he oh was in God. Knives Out. He, he was, uh, uh, what's his name? The, guy, the, the, the James Bond guy. Daniel Dan- Craig. He was Daniel Craig's sidekick in Knives Out. And then he's then he's doing, in yeah. the- and he's in some weird show called Poker Face that nobody's ever heard of. Really? Do you think anyone on in this room has I ever heard of I think you murdered and My murder was hairdresser number three. <laughs> Poker Face. It, it's yeah, but he, play, he plays Danny, the, the the filmmaker, and her friend group. He is he is the beating heart at the center. Of, well, no, of the morality. He's the counter example to the devil's bargain in this movie, and I I love him in this role. I, what, think I love him in this role too, because normally in this particular era, he almost always plays creeps. But I love that because you get the creep vibe. But when you first meet the friend group and you go, oh, you're a bullshit. You're going to make films. You're putting the girl you're fucking in your films. I bet it's trash. And then you get to learn more about him organically. And it's okay. fabulous. One of the reasons I wanted Maya on this mo- movie, on uh, this particular movie. Yes, on this movie. I wanted Maya on this movie is because Maya is very, very, very uh, keen, keen into the things that will pass for audition. <laughs> she will call them out. Like she will find these things in the legitimate casting papers and be like, you're not an actual project. You're here to, f- like, the, 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 give me some examples, Maya. You, I get angry and I send things to Patrick because Patrick is in the industry and I just need to complain to someone. And obviously, when possible, I I report I am very vengeful. I'm very spiteful. So I do get things taken down. But like, oh, God, without betraying my my real age, which I'm sure is on the Internet somewhere. I used to be on Model Mayhem. People would reach out me like, oh, hey, well, can we get a meal and talk about this shoot? And be like, well, is this a job posting or a date? And they'd say, why can't this be both? Or um, I, I get things where there's this one theater job that keeps posting on casting networks. That's about this guy wrote this self insert thing. And it's about him kissing three different women who offer three different paths in life. And they just wants to make out with each of them on stage. And he keeps reposting the roles, which means whoever accepted them has since run away screaming. Um, and that's like, without getting into the really dodgy stuff, but it's, it's everywhere. There's so much um, in modeling. We call them guys with cameras, but like people who say they're making a movie. So they have an excuse to get someone hot and topless to show up because they think it's going to help their career in some way. And like, I don't, I don't want to dismiss the nudity in this film. I think it's effective. I think it's beautifully shot. I think it serves the story, but there are people who are trying to make things that are just for the sake of nudity because they're trying to make porn stuff for themselves. Why I wanted to bring that up now is just because a lot people who were not in the industry might look at the audition process that Sarah, our main character, goes through and go, what are you doing? This is insane. Well, there's actually SAG rules about how much nudity they can ask for at an audition. <laughs> but, but is this a SAG gig? Does Sarah know those rules? Sarah doesn't have any credit, so I'm guessing she's not Sarah union. does a couple of things in the movie that says that, that, that I go, you're a babe in the woods. You don't ask for notes at an audition. That's a big no-no. Thank you, Sarah. No problem. We'll be in touch. Okay. Uh, Do you have any notes for me? I I can do it again. Different, if you didn't like what you saw. We saw all we needed, Sarah. Thank you. When she did that, I was like, oh, 
That's it. You don't ask for notes, but also thank you. We'll hear from you can have been a good audition. The fact that she's desperately clinging onto it shows that she is searching for something else. Her room isn't full of plays or, or books from acting greats. It is a monument to silver screen fame. Cause like I, the, the first time I watched this, I was having a lot of that like cognitive dissonance, being an actor, knowing the industry and being like, well, that's not how that works. Well, that's not how any of this works. Why are you telling your friends you got an audition? Like it's a big deal. And then I was like, oh. We're telling a different yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also, like, why would you have a temper tantrum in the washroom on the same floor as the audition you're having in with other, uh, with your peers, like out there? Five like, block rule. Oh, is that a five thing? Five block rule, baby. It, you don't you don't say your honest opinion about the play you just saw within five blocks. You uh, go to a bar. She doesn't know that. She away. doesn't know that Auditions? yet. She doesn't she know doesn't that know. yet. She's a babe in the woods, which is exactly what they're looking for. <laughs> She's not going to say because they've asked her to do some really dodgy things. But I remember there was there was a prank show years ago where they had a fake audition for Unabomber the musical, and they put all these actors at the audition through this ridiculous audition. Like I can't believe they're doing this. I'm like, of course they're doing it. They're actors at an audition. They want a fucking job. Jihad the Musical was real. Why not Unabomber? Well, this was way before that. This was like early 2000s. So Jihad the Musical was uh, 2003. <laughs> Come at me, bro. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like we're actors and additions. We're asked to do crazy things. It's what we do. So it's granted. So it's not a big step to see some of the crazy things that she has to do at this audition. Uh, person I want to point out here, the casting assistant, the female casting assistant. I love her so much. Isn't she great? What was that you were doing in the washroom, Sarah? What? You're fit. Um, I, I thought I was nothing. Sarah, you have my attention. Uh, I, I was disappointed in myself. So you punished yourself? No, I, I don't, it's just something I do, I don't know. Would you do it again? For us? Now? What? I want to see your fit, Sarah. I, I, I've never done that in front of anyone before. All right, then thank you for coming in. Maria Olsen is one of the hardest working women in horror that you don't know. I mean, you know her. So many credits. So many credits. She's a South African actress. Two, she has got 230 credits and she's only been working since 2008. Wow. She does one-offs like crazy. And like every time she pops up, she's fabulous. She always is this wonderful, creepy character. And it's never the same character twice. I love her. And she's wonderful in this. She's the perfect amount of group. Actually, both of the casting directors in this are great. <laughs> I love them both. I love the gentleman we don't get as much of as well. He's despicable. He's despicable. But the thing he says, and I wrote the quote down, um, you will either have made a lasting impression or blend into a sea of thousands of girls who pass through this hall every day. A photograph won't change that. It's true. <laughs> I bought a headshot. That won't be necessary. We have your digital file. Yeah. Of course. Um, I just thought you might want a hard copy. What you do in this room right now will render that headshot null and void. When you exit this room, you will either have made a lasting impression or blend into the sea of thousands of forgotten girls who pass through these halls every day. 
photograph won't change that. <laughs> it's fucking true. The movie is trying to paint it like this is this evil, unkind thing to say. And it's just true. But don't you sort of understand that also as yes. an actor? Like, I mean, yes. it's like when Scott and I were watching this together, my husband and I both do production. And I do costumes. He does scenic stuff. And cool. I was like, and I just looked at him and I was like, yeah, this, the audition process is kind of why I never went into acting because I don't think I have that resilience to go in and hear like 50 no's and you know like and then after a certain point you're just like well what the hell am i doing the only comfort i have to offer to that is usually don't get the no in the room unless you're doing an open call for theater and then you're getting typed out or you're doing the dance call whatever mostly you just get silence but your your point is spot on because most of acting is rejection uh, a good actor books about like 1% of jobs. A fabulous actor books like three to five. I can show you my spreadsheets of rejection for stage, screen, and voiceover. <laughs> it's a lot. So I, I think that's what I was having a hard time with on my first watch was, well, she seems like she's trying really hard. She's in class. Why is one rejection messing with her? Um, and it's because I wasn't taking the movie more seriously and looking for something else in it i mean we are asked to um open up your heart bear your soul get absolutely raw naked emotionally and then they just close the door in your face <laughs> it does it does take a lot of grit and you mentioned that um the audition goes uh, not That's so fine. great and uh, no but, but she said you said something about a, a oh, fit she does throw a fit she goes in she reads her read is is fine it's good for the it's very good. It's fine. Chloe didn't get fed up with the shoot and just take off. She's not out there on one of her benders. Something happened to her. Happened to her? Like what? I went to her trailer after everyone said that she took off and I found this. And? Her dad gave her this, Chaz. On the morning of her birthday before he left for work. When they still lived in Long Island. So? So her birthday is September 11th. Her dad died that morning in the World Trade Center. She would never leave without this. No way, not ever. Okay, so she wouldn't leave without it. I mean, that still doesn't mean something happened. <sighs> well, that's not all. When I was in her trailer, I, I heard a shuffling, and, and then I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Don't say it. Don't tell me you're believing these stories now, too. I turned. I saw her, Chaz. Saw who? Chloe! So she's still here. <sighs> it was her. Only it wasn't. Oh my God, the the copy though. So the copy begins my favorite weird pattern in this movie where the cult, the nefarious cult loves alliteration. So every character in the copy, their name starts with C. Hers is Celeste. She's talking to like Chaz and also like Carly or someone. There's three C characters. What's another word for Celeste? What does Celeste mean? The moon. Oh gosh. Uh, no, that's Selena. Sorry. <laughs> Stars. Stars. Yeah, stars. stars. Moon, yeah. moon would be Luna. Celeste. Like the like the instrument. They, they, they lay on the star stuff heavy, but that's okay. But like anyway. Celestial. But it's like, well, she wouldn't have left without this. Her father gave us this on 9-11. And he died in those towers. Okay, but given that copy, like, are you going to do the heavy lifting of trying to downplay that? Are you going to throw it away more, Patrick? I'm laughing at it because I'm also realizing that, like, I actually stopped and had to stop the the tape, the tape, the movie, 
and actually read the copy that's in the ad <laughs> that she reads the audition notice. It says nothing about the movie. It's like, Hey, are you tired of just saying lines? Or do you want to transform yourself into something new? Well, come oh, yeah. remember, it's a trap. No, it's a trap. Or is, or is it? It's a trap from the very beginning. I know. Well, I'm, I'm holding off my face. No, I think it's a trap. <laughs> is it a trap or is it a gift? It's a gift for the right people. They're putting out the, the calling notice. It's like how we talk about on Damn You, Uncle Lewis. The cursed objects call out to people who want the curse. Yeah. It's a beacon. But anyway, she has, this fit. she has this fit where she's not just like freaking out and being angry in the, in the, uh, in the ladies' room. Matt, what is she doing that gets their attention? She's pulling her hair out. She's hurting herself, yeah. audition lady doesn't appear until the end so was she in the when did she exactly enter the room like you know like when she needed to well she was making her she was screaming enough that maybe somebody came running yeah she was screaming she was punching the door um she's tearing her hair out she's making she's flopping that purse around yeah she's making and there's no other auditions in that hallway so everyone can hear her pitching a fit exactly Mm -hmm. and then that's like and what i pointed out to scott is like you know because from my point of view it seemed like the audition the audition went well it just seems like the people that she was reading for were really cold and rude so if it had been me i would have been like okay that they were cold and rude and i would have just walked away and let it be but it just sort of was like is that like really how you want these people that you'll potentially be working with to see you like i mean what if it no call for you matt that's that's what they want that's literally what they want they said that's the only reason you're here sarah the only reason kind of call but she's like no i can't do it i've never done it in front of anybody they're like that's the only reason we called you back your audition then song. she comes back she does her fit in the audition room and then that's the first time we see her doing the like possession on the floor arched back dance and then she has this glow on her after she does it it's the first time we see her pleased with herself or anything in the movie she doesn't like her friends she doesn't like her house she doesn't like her her class but she pitches a fit in front of the the call but yeah she she loves her fit and she loves having it in front of these people it's like when you go on a really good first date and you just kind of have that little smile around and she starts getting it after pitching her fit and she's on the when she's doing it when she has that look in, on the floor I'm like there's nobody else there right now like she's forgotten everybody's there like it's just me oh, yeah. and this feeling 
I, I love all that. You mentioned big taters, mentioned the job. I love the job. And also the other person that's of note in this cast is her boss, Pat Healy. Pat Healy is a steady character man who's been working forever. He wanted to start playing horror movie villains and nobody would cast him. So he started producing his own movies and made a name for himself as a horror movie villain. And now he works all the time as horror movies. And he's, he's cause look at him, look at him. He's not a horror movie villain guy. Look at him. He's adorable. Wow. Yeah. But he got, he got uh Travis. No, you just have to write a different kind of villain. Yeah. That's just a different kind of villain. Who produced, produced this to produce his movie, cheap thrills. Uh, where he was a very, very bad man. <laughs> very, 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 very bad man. Yeah. Good for he him. Is, he is. Cause this character, I mean, he's, he's, it's, it's a total ripoff of Hooters. Okay. But with potatoes. <laughs> I would like to call attention to the potato mascot. It has two little arms reaching down, ready to grope you. So it's like the potato would sit like on your collarbone and then the potato would hug your boobs. <laughs> I love that. Well, just as a weird side note, which is synchronicitous with this movie, I've been watching The Girls Next Door. Oh. It's the reality TV show set in the uh, Playboy Mansion, and it was made in, like, 2006. And so, oh, no, no, no. Like, I've been on this whole, like, Holly Mass and Bridget. Like, I watched this telling. I was telling you about it, Patrick. Like, I would love to talk about that with you on this but um, the, Holly Madison worked at Hooters, and there's an episode where they go to Hooters, and then when Scott and I first got here to Austin, there's a place called Twin Peaks, and it's yep. like a Hooters ripoff. And, so and we Tilted went, Kilt, too. Yeah, and it was lingerie night. Like, I think it was a Friday. And, oh boy. I mean, it was fun. The food was good, but the thing that made me uncomfortable was the fact that people brought their kids there. And I was like, um, and so then when all this like drag queen stuff started coming out, I was like, okay, like, why are there kids at Hooters? Yeah, it felt uncomfortable. I even asked the waitress, I was like, how do you feel about this? And she's like, I hate it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you because it's weird. It should just be an eighteen and up only. But that's to admit that they're there for horny reasons. It's all and it's always in the plausible deniability and the bad faith arguments. But I could rail about that for hours. Yes, we anyway, back to the movie. One of my favorite parts in this first uh, introductory section, or the first act, as I've called it, is when she quits. Well, he's trying to give her this pep talk about, well, we're a family and anyone who's ever worked at a restaurant has gotten this pep talk. We're a family here. And when you you let us down, you let everyone down. And I really think you need to rethink your priorities. And she goes, oh, my God, you're right. I have to quit. And he goes, there's a million other girls waiting in line for a steady job like this. And she goes, and I hated this the first time. I'm not a million other girls. You wouldn't ever want to hurt your family now, would you, Sarah? I don't really have a family, Carl. I'm talking about your big taters family. The phone thing. All these auditions that you're going on. I know it's important to you, but this is your job. You got to prioritize. Yeah, maybe you're right. I know that I am. I think I may have to quit. No, I don't know. You didn't understand what I was trying to this say. This job, it's getting in the way, Carl. I have a talent, a real talent, and and I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. Well, that, no, that's... You, you, <laughs> you're twisting my words around, and that's not what I meant. Let me... Let's... Let's start over. You have a gift. 
no. This, this place. Sarah, there are a million other girls who would beg for a steady job like this. I am not a million other girls. I am not a million other girls. I heard Faye Dunaway doing that mom and dearest voice. I am not a million other girls. <laughs> That's not I'm how she sorry, delivered it. But it made me happy. I'm like, yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> You're not. I'm sorry, but with the second someone says we're family, blah, 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 in a professional setting, my response to that is always, well, families are really abusive. So I don't really think that that's very, like, you know, what do you mean by that? Does that mean you get to control me? Does that mean that you get to be shitty to me and I'm supposed to be grateful for it? My family doesn't pay me to be there. Yeah. 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 If my family paid me to hang out with them, I'd hang out with them a lot more. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, but all this stuff, I, I, he, and all, all this stuff was great too. He's like, yeah, you think this is corner. I know this isn't cool to a hip young girl like you. I want you to see this place for what it really is. Yeah, I know you think it's cheesy. Too self-aware, not ironic enough for you. The menus, the specials, all those clever meal names, calling the little kids tater tots, saying, see you later, tater gator, when the customers are leaving. That's all me, all right? It may not be cool to a young woman your age, but it's me. This is me. Call, call, call the little kids that come in tater tots when people leave it and say, see you later, Gator Tater. That's all me. I loved it. I loved it too. He's so genuinely proud because I get that you built this from the ground up. This is you. And it is really fucking stupid. I see both sides of it, but it's you. But I... Here's why I love this scene, and this is this is cutting to the chase, but when when all is said and done and the movie's over, I'm picturing him telling some documentary crew, like some behind the scenes. She worked here, you know. But <laughs> she worked, I, I'll never, I'll never forget the day she walked out of here and she turned to me and she said, I am not a million other girls. And I knew right then that I was never going to see her again, except when it was on the silver screen. Oh, Lord. She was destined for stardom. Because she is. <laughs> She's destined for stardom. She's going to make it big. She gets the call that the producer wants to meet with her. Oh, yeah. She gets the call and it's like, um, oh, he says uh, it's going to be different. She goes, oh, well, that's good because I only have so much hair on my head. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I want to back up just because I want to at least touch on the second callback that she gets. The first, what, does the, oh, the, the, first, the, the hypno-light one. The hypno-light one. Step forward, please. Stand on a pink more. It's so dark. Oh. Lower your hand. Thank you for seeing us again, Sarah. Of course, yeah, this is my top priority. Today we'd like to try something different with you. Of course, um... Sure, sure I, I, I didn't get any... Would you mind just robing for us? Excuse, Excuse me? me? Would you mind just robing, please? Um, the ad didn't say anything about nudity. Did it? Does the role call for that? It doesn't. Sarah, you've already proven that you can memorize lines. 
Now we need to see you bear. Let your inhibitions go. Uh, didn't I do that last time? That's the reason you're here, Sarah. The only reason you got a call back. Sarah, you know who we are. You know the pictures we've made, yes? Completely, Sarah. Because this one is completely what Maya was saying. That's not what everything that happens in this audition is not allowed. They can't ask you to take your clothes off. They can't ask you to. They can warn you in, in advance. Um, not with a camera. You're allowed to wear a g-string. You are not supposed to fully disrobe. The business with the light is all very strange. From the beginning of the movie, there's a lot of handheld shaky cam, which is usually to like place the viewer in the world of the movie. It gets you in this like Sarah. really voyeuristic point of view so then when she walks into her callback we're actually sitting behind the table with the casting directors we can see the silhouettes of their coffee cups and we can see that the camera is already on and recording we can see the viewfinder and we can see the red light and when she walks into the room there's only one light on so giant spotlight shown right at her which means she can't see shit she can't see them and she can't see that there's a camera in the room and were she not opting into a horrific cult this would be a great violation of trust it definitely that was what i thought when i first saw like i was like i was like yeah again like i'm not an actor but just instincts and you know it all feels wrong but I, she goes through with it and the thing is what i love this is what i actually i started to breathe a little bit with the movie because i said this could have been sleazy and it wasn't because we never we don't see her we see her just roll, but we don't see anything this could have been really lurid this could have been we could have been really expose i know what the slasher version of this would look like yes but instead instead like the light starts flashing stroboscopically randomly and and we're just getting flashes of her and it's like she's getting hit with paparazzi flashlights she's just all of a sudden loving every second of it starts as paparazzi and then it turns like orgasm like she is she loves it It's okay, Sarah. I told you this would be different. Sarah, relax yourself. Sarah, if you can't fully let yourself go, how can you ever transform into something else?
that's what we were looking for, Sarah. Thank you. I was a little confused. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a strobe. Is she getting hypnotized? Is it the flash you would get from still photography? I was I was a little lost. I don't really understand either, but I don't mind. But the whole thing is more about her letting go. One of the lines they keep saying to her is like, Sarah, if you can't let yourself go, how are you ever going to transform into something else? Which is what this is all about. Discard your inhibitions, Sarah. Mm-hmm. A little evil queen voice coming from I love her. Well, because her, her dialect is so close to that, like, transatlantic. And we do so I much old guy. Hollywood. I meant the guy. Oh, him. Never mind. I meant the guy. Well, I, I like because he's too. the, he's the, he's, he, because at first he's the only voice that you hear in that scene. It's like, come in this robe. Yeah. When she, when, she, when she balks, the woman starts talking. I'm like, mm, let's get mm. her trust. <laughs> it's Complicit. okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have, uh. I have Ghislaine Maxwell question mark in my notes. <laughs> I am a woman. I am a woman and I will completely protect you. It's just totally a normal thing that we're doing. I'm adding credibility to this bullshit. <laughs> oh boy. She gets the call back. From, the producer wants to meet with her. What was he saying about the hair on his head? Something, something weird. Oh, uh, well that was, that was the call for the first callback. Um, the, the creepy guy casting director who calls her. He's so funny because they just, I love his vocal affectations and um, she starts to be like, oh my God, yeah, I, I, I am so excited to come back. And he goes, don't cut me off, Sarah. Hi, this is uh, Sarah Walker calling you back. Uh, you just called me? Hello, Sarah. Yes, we tried to call. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I was Please like, don't cut me off, Sarah. We'd like to see you again. Yes, yeah, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would love to come in again. Great, I'll email you the details. And Sarah, this will be different from the last time. Oh, well, good, because I only have so much hair on my head. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then all of her reactions over the phone are nonverbal and she's like throwing her fist in the air. It was, it'll be different when you come back for the, the strobe scene. And she goes, oh, well, that's good because I only have so much hair on my head. Oh, about that. We'll, we'll come back around on that later. <laughs> but uh, I love this whole scene, this first scene with the producer. Where we actually meet this creepy dude. I love him so much. I he's love got him so, so much. He's got too many teeth. He's got so many teeth. <laughs> well, big... he's like really handsome and like earnest. Like the passion really comes through in his in him talking, and it was it was very seductive. Like I mean, across the board, like in a in a creepy, unsettling way. Well, I am excited, Sarah. We audition a lot of young women in this building. But very, very few ever make it to this room. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's great. Yes, we've had our share of winners. Some pretty big names have passed right through here. Going way back. <laughs> so, did you like our little yarn? Absolutely. I loved it. I read it three times. Good. <laughs> I have high hopes for this picture. Yes. It's kind of my love letter to this town. Ambition. 
the blackest of human desires. Everyone has it. But how many act on it? That's what intrigues me. That's what lights me up, as they say. <laughs> There's something primal there. And that's why you're sitting right here in this room. But I, I mean, it's a horror movie as well. Of course. <laughs> the two are not mutually exclusive. It's like his eyelids are on backwards, like they're extremely open, yes. but some shape is off. I love him. Uh, I looked him up and he doesn't have a ton of credits, but he does have a BFA from Carnegie Mellon. Ad girl. It's got to be a theater guy. Got to be a theater because there's something about the way he speaks to that's uncanny valley. Yeah. There's something not right about this guy. And I loved every second of like this. I'm loving everything he's saying. Your name on a poster, a poster in front of a theater, a theater theater with a marquee, a marquee with your name on it. This industry is a plague, Sarah. A plague of unoriginality. Hollow be thy name. Shallow be thy name. Yes, it's a plague, all right. And what does every plague have a lot of? Rats? Precisely. Yes, thousands of them. Hungry little rats. Hungry for the cheese. You cut through the fog of this town and you get desperation. Plastic parishioners worshipping their deity of debauchery. But that's what I find interesting, Sarah. That's what I want to capture in this film. The ugliness of the human spirit. Yeah, okay. I I mean, I can see that. So why do you do it, darling? Why, Why do I do what? Why do you pull your beautiful hair out? Um... I, I, it's just a habit. I, I started doing it when I was a little girl and I, it, it helps me focus on the moment. The moment. Well, this is a moment. Yes, yes it is. The role of Celeste is a really big deal for a young actress with no other credits to her name. Your face would be on the poster, the poster on a wall, a wall in a lobby, a lobby of a movie theater, a theater with a marquee, the silver scream. Now, you know that doesn't happen very much anymore, right? (laughs) This is a great opportunity for a young actress, a great opportunity for an actress with ambition. That's me. I'm your girl. I will do whatever it takes for this role. Good. Because we want to offer it to you. But Leave your life behind, Sarah, and join us in the stars. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. But what does he want? A blowjob? He like wants a blowjob. <laughs> all of a sudden, reality comes crashing in. We think you could be great in this role, Sarah. I think you could be great in this role. <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, truthfully, I think I am this role. I mean, this character has a dream and she has so much potential. Sarah, forget about all that. This world is about the doers. The people who don't just talk about what they're going to do, they just do it. 
and that's you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, I work so hard. You know, every week it's a new class, a new audition, and I just never... Um... If you, if you want me to, to read more with with uh, other actors um, or, or another audition. Sarah, this is the audition. I told you before, very, very few actresses ever get to this room. Sarah, you're at the gates. All you need is for me to open them for you. I can make you a star, Sarah. You know I can. Whoa, no. Oh. Let me out. Let me out. Open the door. creepy cult ritual can i like sacrifice a goat i gotta i gotta get a special ceremony off oh, oh no i, I gotta, I gotta dick. suck your dick oh, <laughs> uh, oh come uh. on man and i i was so heartbroken because she's so she looks so gorgeous like she just dressed perfectly she looks great she's so happy she well she's finally wearing coming. a bright color everything has been so muted and oh. even her her dresses have had florals on them but they're all like pressed flowers fading autumn and this time she wears a gorgeous solid red dress and red lipstick she is finally like close to standing in her power being herself and then this like breaks her something else i i meant to mention at the beginning i don't know if you caught this it's a visual thing that they don't really call out a lot do you notice what the weather is all the time in this movie smog 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 gets worse and worse it's dark it's cloudy, in la it's cloudy 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 i'm like it's cloudy and dark and rainy in la in, in hollywood LA? this except, whole movie except at the end except at the end because there's except a new girl in town there's a new girl in town and she's feeling good um, <laughs> you thought we were gonna pick that up yeah <laughs> no, no, I didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't catch it until this time through. I'm like, oh yeah, because they show the Hollywood sign at one point. I'm going, wow, the sky's great. They never show Hollywood. They're like partying the, outside at the pool, and it's dark out. Dark and it's like, gross. This is yeah. So sad. Yeah. Well, it has that like early twenty something year old sadness, mm. or mid twenty something year old. Like that's why I was asking you, Patrick, if you were in your early twenties, because I think that that kind of like falls into it it's like your 20s are a weird like yeah. you're an adult but you're still super inexperienced and so you tend to put yourself in situations like this and you know you have your ambition and what you how you see yourself doesn't necessarily match like what you're able to deliver upon and- oh for sure like you, you feel like you're supposed to be the protagonist and that's not clicking why isn't it clicking? Mm-hmm. Everyone on the way here said it was going to be good. I just graduated college. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be a master of the universe right now, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I have to act like I know what I'm doing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned ambition. Ambition, the blackest of humans, human emotions. Oh, I love his whole monologue. I love all of it. And then he goes, it's a plague. And you know, there's lots of it, a plague. And she goes, rats? Yes. <laughs> I'm playing all that dialogue. All of the stuff was great. But yeah, it's, she's devastated. It's so good. She's devastated. She has to go home and face her shitty friends. <laughs> her friends are like, why are you back? How'd it go? And they're like, they sent me home. Oh, should I send them my headshot? Like, shut up. Fuck off, Aaron. 
Someone who I also think who I really liked, who I wanted more of was her actual roommate, Tracy. She had some really nice moments. Don't cry, hon. <laughs> what happened? Everything was going so well. I was so sure I was going to get it. I quit my, my job for this. Wait, you, you quit your job for this? I was so sure. I was so sure. Okay, wait a minute. What happened? There was one final step. And I, I could have had it too if I was just willing to. What? Willing to what? Come on, you don't, you don't mean sex. I mean, he didn't say specifically what. Oh my god. Are you being serious? What a fucking creep, okay? Do people still even do that? Well, no one out there does. And I sure as heck don't. And you don't, okay? Okay. 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 <laughs> Wait. You don't wish that you did it, do you? It was a gateway part. Sarah, it, it was two auditions. I mean, I mean, seriously, who gets hired for a lead role that quickly? Doesn't that seem a little suspicious to you? <sighs> Listen, Danny was just telling me how badly he wants to have you in his movie. You should talk to him. Oh, shut up! I wanted to. You, She's you the most grounded one in the movie. I love you her. Don't, you don't know much about her friends because they don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter. To her. I mean, even before the movie that they don't matter to her, they're not her friends. They're Tracy's friends. I think if we got more of the roommate, it would be less effective. I think she's not there because she actually has a job. She's yeah. doing something none of the other ones are, which is keeping her shit together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so this whole second act is just Sarah struggling with the fact that she had this perfect job. They were offering it to her. I had it. I had it. It was right here in my hand. <laughs> and and, and there it's gone. But her roommate tries to be the voice of reason. She tries to go two auditions before a lead role in a movie that doesn't seem suspicious to you you sure this was a real thing like she's trying so hard but like the the ambition the black ambition within sarah is just like hungering for the no it's there and we've also we've also mentioned like you've had these moments where sarah has these moments where she's overcome and like like loses herself in this orgiastic thing she also has moments where some like really dark side comes snapping out Every now and then, like when yeah. the girl, when the girl hurts her nose by the pool. Oh, and her first reaction is to laugh and her yeah. roommate clocks it and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> she has a couple of moments that you're like, oh, what do you really like, Sarah? <laughs> you really like Sarah? What are they bringing out in you? I kind of wondered that in that moment, if that was the cult sort of starting to work in her favor, because that was right after the girl was shitty to her and then she got hurt. She was so I was sort of like, hmm. she's trans. She's transforming. It's actually the other girl who got hurt. It was the blonde girl who got hurt, not Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, see, I got them all confused. It well, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because the friends don't matter. I couldn't keep track of their names. They're all just a miasma of not doing anything. Well, and I mean, I think that's kind of symbolic too. It's like placeholder friends until yeah. you know, stepping stone to the next place. Stepping stone to the friends. next place. And I mean, having been a stepping stone, I can say that that's rather shitty, you know, and and not cool. 
Like, you know, Betty Davis talked about that a lot at the end of her career is that she said that like gratitude really goes a lot and loyalty really does go a long way because no one's grateful and no one's loyal. It's also, yeah, 100%. It's also sort of built into the nature of the beast of being an actor, particularly a stage actor. If you're doing regional stuff, it's like, okay, I'm going to go move here for three months. I'm going to make this family with these people. And then at this contract, we're never going to see each other again. And then I come back to town and I figure out whose friends, which friends are still here, which ones are gone. It's always just kind of tangent, just tangential. And we're going to be friends until one of us leaves again. You want to make ties, but you also don't want to make ties because you know that they're going to get taken away or I'm going to get taken away at a certain point. So there is, there's this tangential nature to friends at this age in this industry. So I'm feeling all that here. That, um, and they're not her friends. She says several times, they're not my friends, they're your friends. <sighs> where, are, where are your friends, Sarah? Where are your friends? It's like the more I watch this, I'm like, the more I realize there's a lot more to Sarah that we don't get. This we, we really know nothing about her, which I think is fun. Anyway. Where's her family? How, she calls all these other people on the phone crying. Where's her family? Yeah. I, I, I do like this, this whole pool party that um, where she has that conversation with Danny about being in the movie. And she's like, you know what? I might as well be in your movie. I'm already, you know what? I'm already selling my soul. I started back up at Big Taters yesterday. I kind of feel like I'm selling my soul already, so... May as well be for something I love. I don't know. I mean, if you want to do what you love, why not just do it? And you work at this restaurant. You work at Big Taters. I live in a van. So what? Those things aren't mutually exclusive from us being able to do what we want to do. We got all these people, all our friends. They're just sitting around trying to figure out what to do, trying to figure out how to make something. Well, maybe we shouldn't be sitting around anymore. Maybe we should just get together and make something. I'm going to send you my script. You're going to dig it. Trust me. And we'll work around your precious big tater's schedule. You direct me? Yeah. I'd be your leading lady. Say right, you say go! Sure. Simone? If you want. Then yeah. But it's so good. Danny's Danny's stuff before that is so good. He sits her down. He levels with her. He's like, look, I live in my van. That doesn't mean I'm not making movies. And my van you, doesn't run. <laughs> my van doesn't run. Just because you work at Big Taters doesn't mean you can't be in movies. Why not do it? And he has been trying to talk to her since his first scene in the movie about being in his film. That I, I missed that in the in my first watch. He's making an earnest effort from his first scene to try to connect with her because he believes in her talent. And she would rather have fame than someone who believes in her. Right. Just one investment. Ooh. Like I've noticed that, that that I think that's an issue our generation sort of has creatively is everybody wants to like be they want to deal with the person at the penthouse. And it's like, well, no, you don't know who the doorman is. The doorman could be, you know, the guy that's living in his van that's the next, like, Tim Burton, and this is what he's doing. And, hey, guess what? He saw you, and you have to see him, too, 
and then invest in each other, and then you ride the elevator up together. And I think that that's like, you know, you like the boomer generation and like some of my mentors and stuff, when I listened to them talk, there was a lot of that. Like that was sort of the like, there was camaraderie. And, you know, it's like in, in my experience in art, sometimes I don't really feel that like, okay, we can invest in each other and go up together. And I mean, I like that scene a lot too, because I was like, because I've been there. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm not... I'm working at glamour shots and like, you know, I'm trying to get by and, you know, I'm like doing this, that, and the other thing, but I'm still an artist. And, um, I think it's kind of about identity in a lot of ways too, because like, you know, when you're an actor and you're an artist, that's part of your personality, but it's not your total personality. And so I think people can get really lost and wrapped up in that. It's like you're an actor. And so you're above working at big taters. You're above, you know, never mind. That's an opportunity to perform every day, like get to know people, observe people. Like, but it's, you know, it's such I a mean, feather in your cap to not have to have a day job. And when I had recurring jobs, and I could tell people I was full-time freelance, I felt amazing. And when I bartended and I was inexperienced enough to tell customers that I was an actor, they never took me seriously. It never went well. Uh, ranging from, are you anything I know? To, are you in porn? Why Why are none of the actors I ever talked to in porn? Like, it's it's a lot of eating shit <laughs> to balance both oh, of yeah. us. <laughs> As nice as this scene is, did you notice what she did, though? Which what she, she did. She maneuvered Aaron Aaron out of the Star World. She's like, well, can I play Simone? Oh, yeah. Can I? And he says, if you want. Because Aaron's been talking up this role of Simone the whole time. Aaron, Simone's got the best lines. Danny writes the best lines for Simone. And I'm playing Simone. Blah, 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 blah. That's all we've heard from Aaron that's not shitty. Everything that's not a put down is about how great her role in this movie is. And Sarah just comes in. It's like, well, I want it. Well, yeah, because there's a qualifying question first. She goes, I'll be your leading lady. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, she goes, I'll be Simone. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify, we don't know the, the cast list. No, she she wants to backstab. Secured. Done. Mm -hmm. Well, she, it's an inner star waking up. <laughs> oh, it's a throwing star. It makes sense there now. But that, what I like, too, is that the, uh, the whole this whole thing kind of hinges on what he does. She asks if he has any champagne. To celebrate this, this he gets drugs out of his van, which was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> if she had stayed sober that night, maybe none of this would have happened. I just love his prophetic lines. Like, this is a night that neither one of us are ever going to forget. Well, or was it the cult already working, manipulating time, space, and you know, I think outcome. the cult has control over people who aren't invested in it. But that's my headcanon. I have nothing to back that up. I, I don't I, I don't either, but my goal is at this point, she has to make a choice. They're not gonna help her make that choice at this point. Oh yeah. You, yeah. You have to you walked out. You walked out on our producer, on our leader, on our fearless leader. You walked out, you ashamed him. We're not paying any attention to you until you come crawling back. Literally crawling back. And you have to fully buy into the devil's bargain so whatever the terms are can fuck you over. I love this because she takes ecstasy and she just wanders off from this party. There's this wonderful scene where she's just watching everybody floundering in the pool. She's like, fuck that. So she just leaves. And she gets dolled up in that black dress and those stiletto heels that she's too fucked up to walk on, but she's committed to walking on those heels. Oh, she's so wobbly. Oh, but it was good. She's taking the subway on those heels. <laughs> oh, baby, you're going to break Bless an ankle. Her. But no, she goes and she does it. And it's... 
I want to loop back around to more of the alliteration before we get into the horrific cult blowjob, okay? Deity of debauchery. Plastic parishioners. Silver scream. Actress with ambition. I'm done now. <laughs> no, thank you for pointing that out. I do love th- some good alliteration. There's a, there is a poetry to how he speaks. So There's yeah. a poetry, and I think it's also like how various cults that I shall not name like certain kinds of vocabulary to mean certain things. It is heightened, heightened language. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's part of the magic. I'm sorry that I left the other night. I'm, I, I, I really could be great for this part. Words, Sarah. Just words. What would you be willing to do to convince me? To make me believe in you again? Would you forego your eyes for a new pair of eyes? Eyes that see with our vision. Would you give up your body to become a vessel for our voice, for my voice? Will you give your old life away for a glorious new life? Yes. Then show me. Also, this could have been sleazy. We could have seen the blowjob and the sex. We don't see a thing. The gateway is open, Sarah. All you have to do is be willing to step inside forever and never look back. Kill your old life, Sarah. Bury it in the earth and join us in the skies. Show me the girl I thought you were. Let me see the real sound. We see the back of his hand, and then we yep. see the branding of the, the cult symbol on his hand and the gaudiest gold watch you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. What's the symbol? What's the cult symbol? It's it's a pentacle, sort of, but it's got a line through it. Yeah. I have more on that later. Yeah, I do, too, because, well, I'm just going to toss this out now. Is that one of the things that always bothers me? about this movie. I'm going to say this. Okay, you know what? I'm going to start getting into it now because we're here. Sure. Because we're here. There is the description on Peacock. Says like a movie actress, uh, an ambitious movie actress uh, falls into a cult of moving making Satanists. And I said, this is not satanic. Satan's not here. No. Because I heard other horror podcasts saying, yeah, she's got, they've got satanic pentacles. I'm like, no, they don't. They have stars. No, that's a star. Um, if you had an inverted pentacle, Matt, what's the name of the studio? <laughs> that is not the Tammy. What's the name of the studio? Yeah, that put that's putting on the the, the um, movie that's making the movie. The movie. I'm sorry, I don't remember. Oh, Matthew, it's Astraeus. Who's Astraeus, Matt? Astraeus is the uh, god of, of dusk. 
Yes, also known as the god of the st- god of the stars and planets. I mean, he was a titan. Yeah. Titan is like a no. Yeah. That's his father. His father was a, a titan. Bit. His father was a titan. His father was a titan. He, he was in charge still of God's a titan. Land. He is st- okay. They're both titans. He's titanique. He's titanesque. <laughs> his father got sent to hell. He didn't. So <laughs> he didn't. And then he, and then he's going to have a daughter who's a star. I totally yeah. missed that the studio was called Astraeus. I missed that. <laughs> So, and so, what, like later on when they're having their rituals, they're not chanting the name of a demon. They're chanting the name of a Greek god. This is Greek theater once again, Matthew. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're back so in the we land have of the Greeks Astraeus, again. We have Celeste. We have Be a Star. We have Starry Eyes. So, um, my, so my mind, people like people like. So what? They it's a bunch of Satanists and they made her a vampire. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a bunch of Greeks. They made her a god. <laughs> She's a god now. <laughs> She's eternal. She's a god. I would have loved to see anything else calling attention to it being Greek to support that, though. I I feel like we just found a god who serves our needs rather than saying we are worshiping the ancient Greek version of this. Like my my biggest eh for this movie is I want to see more magic or I want to see more rules. Fair enough. Um, I would, I would totally a hundred percent back you up on that. Like that's like, cause I want to say like Scott and I, we got about three quarters of the way through it. And I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to know how this is going to pay off for her because we haven't seen enough of a payoff for her. Like I kind of felt like, I mean, I guess I could talk about this when we get to the murders, but when each murder happened, I sort of felt like maybe she should have like leveled up physically sure. or there, there could have been something, but yeah, I felt like it was very much lacking in magic and very much. And I did get kind of that throwaway, Like we found a deity that works, but uh, just very quickly cycling back to the Satanist thing. And like, you know, I've kind of noticed this, like being like um, a magic practitioner most of my life. That anything Whoa. that has oh, anything Matt, to do Matthew, with witchcraft. Matthew, 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 there's a lot of banging. Is that somebody with lots of banging? Um, maybe you can hear Scott like chopping. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's move. what it is. We can hear Scott um, chopping. Who is he chopping? Who is he chopping? Oh, he's to- he's, to- he's he's making dinner. He's making dinner. He's so, Mrs. Loving um, in the other room. <laughs> okay, is that better? Yeah, that's great. Yes, that's great. Okay, so um, I've noticed that like whenever anything that has anything to do with witchcraft comes up, it's automatically all like satanism and you know i mean i dated a satanist i'm friends with satanists like people who actually are and i mean it's, it's like not at all what people think it is two separate then, things entirely you know, yeah. it was like and well and then also there's a difference between what i am and a satanist and you know, not everybody that practices witchcraft beliefs and i've got a good Cersei right behind me actually <laughs> so um yeah i feel like so I think that that was interesting. So I think like what you're talking about in the description, it was probably somebody that's just like, oh, it's witchcraft. So of course it's seen as own. And know? I know very well that from with independent movies, the distribution company gets to pick your movie title and they get to write the copy. You get no say in it. So somebody just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this it's this. Well, I, I think also we, we tend to fall into this satanic panic representation of, of Satan and magic and like, once in a while, someone does something really cool with it. But like, I was so disappointed when I watched the TV show of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and it was just Catholicism, but worshiping a goat. And I was like, this is guys, guys. I had a lot to say about that 
show too. I'm sure. But, uh, um, but just back to this movie, like go, 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 go. Like I, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that you know it's like the one of the first questions I get asked when people find out I'm a witch is like, oh, do you do animal sacrifices? Oh come like, on! Why is that? Why is that automatically the thing that your brain goes to? Because I kind of feel like it, they they think it's a step further than that, even. Of course. And I'm like, I am the biggest wuss ever. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I make I make soap. <laughs> So like I mean, like do I look like somebody that would like like I mean I do know that there are traditions they do that but you know I mean it just like people I think it's just because being like we live in a very Abrahamic you know culture that like you know it's just anything that's not those three religions is automatically like pushed aside and made evil so um, and just just to back up my whole theory on this too it's not just that name it's just also that it's Travis Stevens where did Travis Stevens go with um. A wounded fawn. He dragged Greek mythology into that too. And what he's known as for is for, you know, upending genre expectations. So like, why would you go to all this trouble to fund a movie and go through all the uh, Kickstarter process if it's just going to go for this most obvious answer? He's known for taking things one step deeper than normal that you might miss. Like a lot of people see wounded fawn and they don't get it, which is what uh, Matt and I covered I last time, which, which is, oh, you know, about the Greek furies coming and through I've only heard good things. It's okay. on my list. Yeah, I feel like this movie walked so that one could run. And we've got Hikachi right there. Yeah. So anyway, so so she she has sex with the guy. What happens? So what? She's immediately a star now. Uh, well, you start seeing cult members' faces pop out of curtains in the room, and some of them have faces painted dark, and some of them are wearing masks. Like they're when he says the gates are open, the other cult members are bearing witness. Mm Hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. she gets home. She wakes up the next day wearing thigh-high pantyhose. I don't think she was wearing on the way there. Uh, and she feels like shit. Yeah, this this whole act is is bordering on torture porn. She, she just watch her suffer. She's rotting from the inside. She gets fired from uh, from taters. She gets fruit punch. <gasps> she was drooling, and she was drooling in the French fries. <laughs> Sarah, what is it? Oh, Jesus Christ, Sarah. Go home. You shouldn't be here right now. No, it's I'm fine. It's not fine. Where are you going? Come on. 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 Get the fuck out of here and don't come back. And the boss tries to be like, hey, you obviously shouldn't be here. Just go home. She's like, no, I'm fine. And then she, she tries sla- to fight she him. Sla- slap him. She smacks him in the face. Slap him right in the taters. <laughs> right, in the, right in the taters. Um, right in the cranberry. Now that she's leaning into the ambition, she is becoming her ambition. She has always wanted to smack her boss. So she finally smacks her boss. Mm-hmm. We are getting real Sarah. There's some wonderful, uh, not wonderful, but they're just such heartbreaking moments. For she's just banging on the door of the studio going, would somebody please tell me what's happening to me? I don't feel good. Hello! 
I don't feel good we about this. We catch her on the phone, and you think she's talking to someone like an EMT or a family member. And if you could please call me back when you get this, it's awful. <laughs> What's the matter, Sarah? Are you not feeling well? I'm dying! (laughs) I'm dying! Yes, you are. You can go into the ground and be forgotten forever. Or you can be reborn. Did you expect it to be painless? That it would be easy that you'd simply wake up one morning with everything you ever wanted laid out before you. I told you, Sarah, dreams require sacrifice. And so do we. I can give you what you want, Sarah. But you need to embrace who you really are. It's time to become one of us. It's time to be remembered. Okay, this is why we this is why we need universal health care. Somebody take this girl to a doctor. She eats cancer of her friends. The like she's puking on people. She pukes up maggots at one point. Apparently she, pukes she was up maggots. She's um her hair is falling out in chunks. Her she's starting to we we have some fingernails popping off. It's pretty gnarly. There's something nasty in her panties that we only <laughs> Well, okay, but we sorry. No, Matt, we, go. she she digs at that clot and it's gross. She's rotting from the did, inside. Did any of you think she was about to like give birth to something? We do multiple rounds of birth imagery, funny. You mentioned that. So we have a round, we have a round in the bathroom, um, because yeah, she She's running around in her classic horror girl white underwear, white tank top, um, and she's been vomiting. So we got some morning sickness, and then she gets in the tub to give birth, and then it just starts being maggots out of multiple holes. I think out just the one hole, right? I only caught the comes out of her mouth, but something's so it's it's relevant something's to the going on down south. Something just going that's on what I'm south. saying. She birthed, she birthed a big clot of something from down south. It was, <laughs> she birthed, it was a big Well, chunk. there was just something about the way like she backed her in like she grabbed the ocean oh, yeah. handle on the like bathtub and I was like, "Oh, is she going to give birth to something? Something's going to like you know, just, like but and then like nothing happened." I think we're well, we're I mean, expelling original maggot. Sarah. The old her is dying and we do we do classic horror shot of the spindly arms, the undercranked coming out of the tub. I love one of those. Uh and then we have an, we have another um big birth imagery after we get into the murder spree. Yeah. But I love the the phone call she finally gets somebody on the phone. She's like, I'm dying. He's like, he's like, of course you're dying. Are you not feeling well? (laughs) Of course you're dying. And and again, she's got a choice. Now you could be forgotten. You can, you can be put in the ground. We'll forget you forever. You can come and live with us in the stars. If you kill your old life, Sarah, she had mentioned that she doesn't have family. She mentioned that she didn't have family. She'd already cut ties with, with big taters. They're the only ones left. Yeah, but why doesn't she have to kill big taters? She has to kill her friends. I want rules, Patrick. That's it. Well, and like, why? Like, yeah. Like, I felt like I think this is the the point where more because, rules would have been a good. 
would have been a good thing. Like, you know, like maybe like, you know, like in Candyman, like, you know, when he appears to her and like suddenly it becomes very dreamy and like you start to, like he kind of starts to explain what's going on. I was like, that would have been really cool if there was like one of those. A classic third act info dump. Hallmark of horror. We love it. Um, Yeah, I I don't even need an info dump. I just, I I think the lack of rules leads to something that like troubles me a little bit that I want to talk to when we get to the the murder spree because that's when we confirm the rules for Sarah, right? I I think we're here. Okay, cool. So I I think the rules kind of leans into some blood libel tropes. Uh, What what does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, blood libel. Uh, It's an anti-Semitic theory. Uh, It's spread around of... Oh, Jews eat children and innocents and eat their blood and it gives them powers and uh, also like social clout and power and whatever. I, I have a handout. We don't have to go through the handout. But we lean into certain things where they're depicted with larger eyes than usual. Many Jews wear wigs and she's killing people, eating their blood and using it to join the, the uh, enclave that secretly rules Hollywood and parts of the world. And I feel like if we had been given better demonology rules. Was she eating people? That's the last murder we get is her biting her roommate's face she didn't. off. No, 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 she didn't. What? You need to watch that again. She didn't. We'll come back to that then. We'll come back to that. We'll go back okay. to that. The murder spree itself of through her friends is savage. It's, it's gnarly. Considering how slow a burn this movie has been, there's something that's really just <sighs> grim, ugly, painful, pathetic deaths. Yeah. That these kids were pathetic. I feel like what just you're just dying, you know, squalling in your own guts. Just And also, this is something I, I've talked about on a couple of other shows. And this is my my medical, my, my medical, my um <sighs> criminal psychology background. She's a gut stabber. Yeah. Gut stabbers want it to go on for a long time. They want you to suffer. They want it to last. They're going to pop you like a balloon and let it all let out. They're not, they're not going for quick deaths. We they get want- additional suffer points on her murder of Aaron because she harms her face first. We give her a little bit of hope that she might not die immediately. If she doesn't die, she'll never work in Hollywood. Maya, not with a scar Maya, like that. Maya, 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 he gave him, she, she gave her sissy face. <laughs> oh, sissy is a delight for anyone who's it's ever a, had some we, angst about social a, media. It's, a, it's the same cut. It's the same cut. But but I also just realized that that hold on that just um the um that cut across the face is the worst thing you could do to an aspiring actress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that career is ruined. You might didn't need to kill her. Go, Matt. But aren't slices pretty easy to fix though? Not like, cut. I think you'll have a scar forever. You won't work in forever. film. Uh, well, uh, I mean, they could. I mean, like, like, did you ever see Ray Liotta out of makeup? There's a lot they can do. <laughs> so with Ray Liotta, what they're doing is they're using a primer that was mostly developed for like burn victims that creates a smooth surface. I have been mm-hmm. told over and over again as an actor who works on screen and on stage not to get a tattoo bigger than a quarter because it costs more for makeup to spend the half an hour covering it and they will hire someone else. So if it's someone who's already well established, absolutely. Ray Liotta will make him look amazing. A nobody? No way, man. No. They're hiring someone else. And she's got no money for that. She's got no money to fix that. She's got no money to fix that. Oh, she doesn't have plastic surgery I, money. No. Can I say oh, this, done right then. the way that that prosthetic split open was 
beautiful. Oh, like it was, oh. it was so graphic and so, but it was so like there was just something about it that was there. There was like a realness to it that was really oh. cool. I appreciated that a lot. And her her reaction like, too is that she didn't start screaming. She just stood there and let it happen, let it flap, and let it and bleed. She the felt fact. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that this, this she's not freaking out. This is that shock, which yeah. is one hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. But again, like she, her death is so pathetic. I mean, she's an awful girl. She's a horrible person. I should be cheering this death, and it's just like, oh god. She tried to escape crawling away slipping in the blood and then there's a, oh no you don't Sarah you scared the shit out of me don't so what are you doing here you let him put the revolting thing in you and he gives you the role of Simone back were watching us? You think I had to fuck Danny to get a role in his movie? That's sad that you see the world like that. Sarah, you know that me and Danny have hooked up before, right? Did it ever occur to you that maybe we just like each other? Sarah, get the fuck out of here. You know what's sad? You. All of you. A role in Danny's little film. All sad. What's sadder is that you think I want any of it. That I'd sink so low. Right. Why would you have to fuck Danny for a role when you've already fucked some big-time movie producer? Yeah, Tracy told us about the stack of cash from Estrella's pictures. Oh, my God. Sarah, did you... Did you actually suck some old producer's cock for a role in a movie called... The Silver Scream? (laughs) Wow. That's sad. It's a gateway part. From here, it sounds a lot like prostitution. (gasps) Sarah, what happened to you? Don't, don't touch me. Sarah, don't touch me, Sarah! No! No, stop it! Stop it! We need to get you to a house! No! goes off and kills two other people and comes back and she's still not dead yet has to finish her off and it's just so sad and pathetic and all these poor kids who didn't mean anything like we don't even know their names and why 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 are you doing this and then when she finally kills danny oh my goodness 
Sarah? <laughs> what are you doing here? Hey, did you see Aaron? Yeah. We talked. <sighs> okay, what'd you talk about? You. Right. Did, did she tell you how worried we are about you? Since you ran off the other night? You know, Tracy came by here. She said the two of you had a big fight. We're all pretty concerned. Look, Sarah, whatever is going on, we can help you. You know, just talk to me. You? Help me? I'm your friend. No, you're not. None of you are. Sarah, of, of course we are. Sarah? Jesus, what's wrong with you? Are you... Trail on he his goes for face. Maximum emotional damage first while he's still breathing, and then she stabs him in the gut several more times. What? <gasps> You're not my friend. I don't have any friends. <laughs> his face. This was the shock and the horror and the not under comprehending what just happened. Is and again goes on forever. He's a slow fade, and that final shot of them. When they start pulling back, you go, oh, look at that nice, that cute couple, that cute romantic couple looking, stargazing, looking up oh, at the stars. Boy. Well, I also want to call attention to her murder outfit because usually a murder hoodie is a dark hoodie. This one is extremely light. So whenever they're lighting her while her face is rotting off, 
it's frequently in shadow. She's frequently backlit. It's it's almost like they're making a mask. And then when we see the cult members come back, all their masks are black or their faces are painted black. They're erasing her old self. And when she rises anew, she's pristine with no shine on her face. Everything is matte, 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 matte. Gorgeous Hollywood matte. Because no, when she's no, been alive, she has this useful glow. Yeah. That's matte. Over there, that's Matt. Matt, Matt. Matt, Matt with Matt. an E. It's a silent E. I know this Matt is here. Hey, he's gorgeous Matt too. Well, yeah, but he's not Hollywood Matt. He's, he's gorgeous Texas Matt. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, the, she finishes, and the cult comes for her, and you're, they, they go through this final ritual. But I, I almost the, when the cult shows up with the, the alkalites in the robes and the mask, I'm like, oh, kind of Greek theatery again. Yeah, and, you got the Greek and, chorus. You got the Greek chorus, and then you got the royalty, like the Hollywood royalty that show up that are not a mess. <laughs> if I had a connection, if I had any celebrity to call in, I would have called them in for that scene, just so you have the moment of doubt of wait, is George Clooney in this cult? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Was that that little girl from Small Wonder? It is. It's the robot girl from Small Wonder. <laughs> I knew it. I knew just, it. You know, if I ruled the universe and I had more than 18 days to make a movie and I had a budget, 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 I would have called in a favor on that day and that day only. Well, because the cycle is complete. She's killed enough people when she kills Danny. And that's why the cult members show up to take her off to the ceremony so she can be buried and reborn. This is what I want to point out that Taters, normally a restaurant, is centered around chicken, wings, hooters, potatoes growing the ground. <laughs> what I have to say about that. And they have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes out with some eyes. She comes out with some brand new eyes. Brand new eyes. Gorgeous, sparkly, green jewel eyes. I, I love that she comes in. She comes crawling out of the dirt. She's naked. She's got no hair. And she's, she's just, got an amazing manicure. Got an amazing I manicure. I say the nails. The are, nails. Like, the hand acting at the end is so, like, I like the way she's, like, feeling her oats with her hands. But she's, so got, she's got Nosferatu fingers. The sun is rising for the first time of the whole movie. Finally, the sun, the light has returned. Our goddess walks among us once again. Oh, I loved all this. There's a box waiting for this. It's happy birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. And she makes it with a delightful finger. Like, that, like, taps it. Like, it's just, it's uh, like, I wanted more of this. Sarah, I wanted so much more of her, and that's like that's why it's like I felt like when the movie finally got somewhere, it was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I loved all this. I just love, I just love her new look. I love how confident she is now. I love. We go back to her room and everything's neat. 
Like we just see how everything's been getting grody. She Mary Poppins did. It's she fine. Mary Poppins, now. the whole thing. I loved it. But um, one of my favorite scenes, it's actually the last shot of the movie. I'm jumping ahead a bit, but uh, it bookends the first shot of the movie. The first shot of the movie is her looking in the mirror, getting ready for the audition and just pinching fat, looking at her outfit, doubting her hair. And that last shot is just her topless looking in that mirror confident as fuck she is never gonna feel that way she's again untouchable. she is yeah. never gonna doubt herself again she is never gonna feel any insecurity about anything ever again you know what i might kill for that too wouldn't that be nice <laughs> i mean that's that's the thing is that like i think that this movie does sort of very it it, it does kind of illustrate the lengths that people would be willing to go to like, you know, it's sort of that whole, like, if somebody offered you a million dollars, like, would you sleep with them? Like, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people would probably have a hard time saying no to that, you know? I mean, so what, like, what price does your soul have? Sure. I think was a really, like, good, big theme. Especially when, look how happy she is now. <laughs> yeah, if I could get cult money and not taters money for my soul. And this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of her stardom. She's got a whole career. All of her dreams are about to come true forever. The dream isn't even to be good, though. Can't you have a a, a pact to be talented and not just famous? The other thing, the other thing that this movie reminded me of, uh, and I want to, this will come back to that, the killing of the the uh, the roommate as well. Sure. Um, Adrian Barbeau wrote a series of books that are delightful. Uh, the Vampires of Hollywood. And in these books, pretty much everybody in Hollywood is and always has been a vampire. Mm. Um, like the rules don't apply. They can work by, you know, they can live by day. But there's something about when they hit, like they're irresistible normally. But when there's the cameras and the lights and the silver screen, they're hypnotic. People can't sure. take their eyes off of them. Mm-hmm. And they're obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. So it makes big money. Which is why everybody's there. And there were things written in, like the whole reason that, um, one of the reasons that, like, the, what, they, what do they call it? The, um, the, the Hayes Code. Yeah. One of the rules of the Hayes Code was that you couldn't kiss. It had to be a closed mouth kiss. It couldn't last for more than seven seconds. Because the human the body. will bite you? No. The human, human body couldn't handle it. Like they would, they would basically just die. <laughs> the kiss would kill when she kisses Tracy the roommate it's a closed mouth kiss she doesn't bite they both have their, their lips tightly closed and Tracy just kind of explodes from within so I'm just going we, I don't think that Tracy's body could handle what she just got I'm gonna watch that again look I'm sorry okay I shouldn't have told everyone what happened it's your business if you wanted them to know, then, well, you would have told them. Anyway, needed to say that. Hey, are you, are you okay in there? Trace, like old times. 
are changing for me, Trace. That's great. I just wanted to say goodbye. Where are you going? Just say goodbye to me, Trace. No biting. There's no biting. I was one of those things yeah, that I thought I saw a slip no... in the tongue at the very end. I thought that's where that was coming from. Nope. It, they're both very yeah, full. I noticed that there was no biting and there didn't seem to be any drinking either. No. Like, so I, that's why I was like, I was kind of left at the end of that death. Like, I was like, what was the point of that? Like, like, when... well, well, that one's for her because the cult already gave her everything she wanted with the murder of her friend group and the murder of the only responsible adult in the movie was a special treat just for Sarah. Like old times. Remember when we were lesbians, which can never get out. Cause that might ruin my career as a, as a, as a movie star. She mentioned that Remember when we used to lay together like old times. You gotta go. I mean, she does crawl in bed with her earlier when she's having that meltdown. She gets right under that sheet. Oh, and we didn't finish talking about birth imagery. So we have all of that writhing when she's underground and she's naked and bloody in the saran wrap. And and the, the music, we haven't talked about the style of the music because it's all in a synth. But there's these two main themes that are fighting each other. And the Sarah stuff has a, a, a very like low bass heartbeat, like from the thing, dun dum. Dump, dump, and this like little twinkling child's piano. And then the theme that follows the Astraeus cult around is this like uh, much more 80s, um, like synthesized, what's the word I want? Where it's like slightly too fast to be anything other than electronic. And it's okay. the machine of the cult. And then like when, when Astraeus is like starting to take over Sarah, you start getting more of that like techno beat underneath it. And that's what takes over when she rises out of the dirt into the glorious sunlight. Uh, she, she bursts forth from her, the, the ceramic membrane. Her womb, yeah, her womb. She's yeah. newly born. <laughs> Yeah. The placenta. Sack. The potato placenta. <laughs> the potato placenta well, is the, the, the thing that holds, that's connected to the sack, but the sack is called something to, I forget now. But... Amniotic sack? Sure. That's it. That's it. I'll take it. I love that word. I'll Amniotic. take it. And she doesn't have to eat it because she's going to be pretty forever anyway now. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, she could have made it into a nice, like, you know, like face mask. Yeah, or, or hair treatment. Hair <laughs> well, oh, she does, but she doesn't have oh, hair. Oh, but she doesn't have hair. So. How do I, she doesn't have a hair. <laughs> she got a fabulous wig. Treat that scalp. But no, she looks, I just love how stunning she looks at the end. Like the, the, the no hair, all that look. I just love it. I love how confident she is. I love that whole, that there's no, there's nothing of the Sarah we knew left. That's Nothing. why I wanted more of her. Like yeah. I wanted so much more of that of that like character, you know, like I would have liked to have seen like how it ended. Like, you know, that marquee in a like you know, that poster in a marquee in oh, the that would have been a killer closing shot where you get new Sarah yeah. on the poster for sure. I also like the implication, much like which is why I brought up Vampires of Hollywood again, is that while we're getting these final shots of her looking at herself in the mirror, that we're getting the cuts to her collage of the, the the studio actresses from the 40s. The star wall. 
and you're going, the stress, the stress, the guy, the stress thing. So many girls, we've had so many, so many girls over time have come to these doors, been in the shoes. So many, you're going to join them in the stars. I'm like, is that, I'm like, is, is it all of them too? Is it all of them too? They put them behind her when she comes back from the callback, they're shooting in the mirror. So the wall has suddenly gotten bigger. Like the, uh, cinematic cinematographer whatever the the composition work they do with with that wall is so cool because it's it's like an organic growth in her space yep i i i i, I kind of fell in love with the idea like how many of them were all of them were they all goddesses because that makes sense that tracks and I, I started to think of like like particularly the ones like those those classic actresses i'm thinking like elizabeth taylor who led these crazy lives the crazy tempestuous lives I'm like that's the life of a goddess right there Life of a goddess right there. It's, it's hell and high water and craziness behind the camera, but we still love her. We love her. Look at her violet eyes. Look at her eyes. Look at her cheekbones. Look at her tiny waist in the Cleopatra gown. How can you be mad at that? Right. Look, look, she's, she's so benevolent. Look how much she's helping the AIDS crisis. She loves us. She loves us. Worship her. It was Zaza Gabor who had no talent, but we loved her anyway. She she was famous for being famous things like crazy things like that, all of the, all of them witches, all of, <laughs> all of them vampires, all of them space goddesses, wherever they are. Sure, I sure. Love I like this movie. I think it's just a different little Trump. I think it's such a showcase for Alex. So yeah, I definitely feel like um, you know it's kind of how I felt when I saw House of a Thousand Corpses. I was like, okay, like I have notes for it, but like I'd let Rob Zombie make another movie, and so I'm really <laughs> glad. You know, I'm really glad that um, you know he was able to make a wounded fawn because I think he was able to like put to, to take that story deeper and those themes deeper, and um, the storytelling was a lot more linear. Um, and abstract at the same time. And I could see if you were new to like, if this was like one of your first films or you're starting to do something like that, like it, it's hard. Like you don't know how to, you know, you kind of have to try stuff and it works or it doesn't work. So, sure. I mean, I, I liked it. Like, I, get it. I, get it. I would have uh, wanted less flashbacks. Which, I always feel like trust your audience. I'm right here. I watched it. Hmm. Um, I said, I, I want more rules and more magic. One or the other. I almost don't mind. I almost don't mind the no rules, no magic. Well, I I would have liked more magic, but I almost don't mind the no rules because she doesn't know the rules and we're her. Yeah, totally. Um, But I think you can like. I would have liked to say more. Thank you, thank you. But I also like if you're going to do the vampires of Hollywood stuff, like give us a hint about one of these other movie stars. Show us that she knows that something is up there, um, and she can't put a finger on it. Like I would have liked something like that. Yeah, like, cause I feel like she, she, like, risked an awful lot for not really being shown, like, for only just being promised things. Like, you know, like, uh, like the scene in Death Becomes Her, where, like, you know, she's sitting with Isabella Rossellini and she's like, uh, you need to drink this potion. And she's like, what? oh, yeah. this is the <laughs> And then she, like, pricks her finger and then she puts it in and she can see that it's real. 
So I don't really feel like there was ever that like kind of moment that they were like, you know, I was convinced enough. You know what I mean? Like even her friends were like, are you sure? Like, this Or like little... if it were the very like classic Christian deal with the devil, then like that's all about contract law. Well, you have to murder all your friends. Then you get this. Oh, well, I don't like my friends. And like, obviously that's a different story. I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm missing the final piece for this one. Mm, same. I understand. Um, I really I like parts of it. I think parts of it are fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it certainly made me uncomfortable. Like I was, oh, yeah. it was yes. very, very triggering. Very, <laughs> like, very I dread. mean, just like the, the audition scene, the like, you know, the, the, the like creepy hitting on, you know, I mean, it just was all very like. Well, and I love that true. we got a difference I mean, between a stuff. restaurant manager staring at her ass versus the mm-hmm. cult leader being like, this, this is what you have to do. I'll open the gate. Like I, I think, that's really lovely. I think the design of the movie was great. They dress her like all these different dying plants and they plant her in the ground and she grows out and she's vibrant. Like that's really cool. The, the warring themes and the music is very successful and it tells us more information what's going on. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a final piece is missing for me. See, I'm, I'm one of those weirdos that the fact that the final piece is missing, that lets me fill in the final piece. And I like doing that. That's that's fine oh, for me. That's true. That is one that's of your favorite things. I also like I also do like that even if you don't pick up a cure like me or you don't pick up on the Greek thing or if you don't agree with the Greek thing or if you don't think it's vampires or whatever you think it is. If you just think it's oh, it, oh, 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 if you just think if you just think it's a cult of Satanist, the movie still works fine. I found the note, the note that ties my stuff together a little bit more than it was. Um, so when, when she's still in the dying phase, sorry, I was scrolling over my notes. When she's still in the dying phase before she's been planted, right? Uh, she wakes up looking like shit, all, all demon hungover, and her roommate has to go to work and kicks her out of the bathroom. So she bursts into the fridge. She Rhonda Santis's the yogurt with her fingers. <laughs> she, she tries to eat the yogurt and she vomits it up immediately. And then she turns to her roommate and goes, you smell. Is that you? And her it's like uh that's you that's you, you smell really bad and then she goes are you on your period she smells the blood and she can't eat food and that's why i thought she was eating blood haha <laughs> i backed it up a little do you smell that um, i think it's coming from you yeah uh, <laughs> sorry no offense but i mean that it's you. <laughs> you on your period. What? Fuck you. All right, that's enough, okay? I've had enough of your shit. What the hell's going on with you? You told them. You told them. Who? About what? my audition and the producer. <sighs> right? Okay. I'll bet you all got off on it too, right? No. <laughs> Seeing me fail like that? Sarah, those are your friends. Hey, nobody wanted that for you. They're your friends! They're your friends! I'm trying to do something big! I'm trying to do something with my life! How am I supposed to do this? When you surround me with these... losers! Do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth right now? They're like... venom to me! Like... Like a cancer. All of you guys, just all of you. You, Danny, Aaron, just like living off of me. 
Oh, oh, living off of you? Like the last time I checked, I covered your rent for the past two months. And I'm guessing you don't have this month either because you're so obsessed with this job that just wants to fuck you instead of the job that actually pays your bills. <laughs> no, just, no, just spoiled yogurt. Just the yogurt was spoiled. She was just smelling the bad yogurt. It's full of was. I don't know why and I'm that's from why she was really interested in the smell of the menstrual blood. Yeah, sure. Yogurt. Because, because yogurt. I've got nothing. <laughs> All right. I think we've done starry eyes. <laughs> I knew I had something. I couldn't be stopped. Oh, you've got something. All right. You've got something. <laughs> it's contagious. That's why I like you. That's why um, I'm in a different state than you right now, because it's contagious. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think we've done sorry eyes. Thank you very much. This, this has been a trip. Um, any final thoughts? Get better friends. <laughs> yeah. Friends who support your work. Kill people less. And I think it's a, and I mean, as I said, I think it's a healthy meditation for everybody to sort of walk away and be like, okay, what, what is your price? Like, what is the, like, how far are you, willing to go for your dream or what you think your dream is or fame. Like, and I love that you made the distinction between talent and fame earlier too. Cause I think that that's a, like another distinction in our generation that people don't quite get. It's like, Oh, well, well, it's like, I mean, it's a, well, I mean, I, I agree, but I think that I think it's gotten like, I mean, like you get on Instagram and you look at people and you're like, you see that they have like, you know, a hundred thousand followers and it's like you go through their content and there's like nothing like really of substance. But I was like, that person gets invited to the Met Gala and, you know, I mean, the Kardashians, for God's sakes, like, yeah, so I mean, but it's ambition, you know? I mean, I think of that, like, I did appreciate that, like, sort of, I don't really see ambition as a, as a negative, like, cause I feel like, I mean, I feel like ambition can be like, you know, it drives progress. So it's like somebody sees a problem, they fix it, that's ambition. But well, then and you're I a small business like owner, you side. have to have some ambition. There's a healthy amount. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but it, and, like, it, I mean, it, can, it, can, it can it can turn toxic as well. Like like look at all your Wall Street bros. <laughs> the yeah. evil soap empire. Yeah. Coming soon from Beer and Matt. <laughs> well, the wolf of the wolf of Wall Street. Like sure. I mean that, that <laughs> you could definitely argue that's a theme in that. And that is a horror movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. I saw that like a year ago and I was so disturbed. For days after I saw that movie, <laughs> I um I my final thought in this movie is and it just occurred to me um when I reviewed Saint Maud uh, the second time I watched it, I realized you know what if you watch this like it's one of those documentaries that they showed made you watch in Catholic school about the lives of the saints that this is all that this is a happy ending that Maud that Maud isn't crazy and that God is actually talking to her it changes the whole movie and I realized watching this last time through one of the reasons I'm enjoying it so much is because I'm going this is a happy ending movie she, this is her struggle but she's gonna have the best ending ever she's gonna have all her dreams come true good for you girl get it I think that's and, part of why this one didn't stick for me is I couldn't get into the yes queen of it all and you know I love a yes queen moment I love Midsummer. it's, uh, it's, it's, ta it's taken a while it's taken a while <laughs> Slow burn. I'll, I'll loop back around in a year and see if I can yes queen this for her. Yeah. 
Well, I, I would, I think you, you've hit a good point on this is cause like that was something that I thought was missing too, is that like, you know, cause there were moments in the beginning, especially at Taters where it's like, you know, there were some like, haha silly moments, but then I don't feel like we ever really got too many more of those later. So I mean, like humor in a horror movie, it's a weird other topic, but you know, I kind of, I, it could have been a little, Yes, Queen. I know I agree with you. All right. So, Matt, uh, please tell us where can people find out more about you and where can they purchase some Baron Von Soap Soap? Um, you can find me on Instagram, Matt Knife 3, uh, Baron Von Soap on Instagram also. And then if you search on Etsy, Baron Von Soap, we have a storefront there too. And you can order online. We ship everywhere. We actually just shipped to Hawaii last Ooh, month. So. Nice. That's cool. Okay, random question for you. If you were to recommend a soap to the newly born Sarah Walker, oh god, which one of your soaps would you give her? Um, the goddess is standing there before you. You have one gift to give her to impress her. Which one of your soaps are you going to give to impress? I think I would give her the leopard print soap. It's bourbon tobacco. It's fierce. It's, you know, for divas. So it's kind of um, non-binary or unisex, I guess. Like it's sort of like a, you know, men like it, women like it. So I would be like, and it's a cute design. So I'd be like, here you go. Don't eat me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Okay, Maya, where can people find out more about you? And remind us where we can find out more about your game, Rosewater. Sure. Uh, you go to MayaMurphy.com and there's a link right to Rosewater on Steam on that website. But it's it's Rosewater, like like the soap ingredient, only it's not about that or soap at all. <laughs> That'd be a weird tie in between the two of you. <laughs> it would be really f- funny. Yeah, funny. I'm just a, I really like Fight Club and I used to work at Lush, but that's the end of my soap career. <laughs> uh, uh, well, actually, my, my, my mermaid just occurred to me. Wait, do we do a podcast together? Don't we do oh my God, a podcast. We should talk about a TV show so we can talk about something that's kind of the same but different every time. Yeah, Maya Murphy and I are also co-hosts over on Damn You, Wonka Lewis, where we talk about Friday the 13th, the series, but that's a Patreon exclusive. Maya, question for you. Yeah. If I'm here and you're here. Trey's minding the show. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. It's going to be so gay when we get back. Yeah, because it's not gay when we're there. You're right. All right. Thank you both very much. I adore you both. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And stay safe, stay healthy, and most of all, stay fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. All right. That was fabulous. We finally got through this episode and nobody died. Yet we still have some time left, but anyway, thank you again to my fabulous guests, Maya Murphy and Matt Knife. But hey, I have an extra special thank you to Matt Knife because, yeah, the holidays aren't here yet, but Matt Knife has a gift just for you. He's offering all of you 20% off your order when you use the promo code STARRY, as in starry eyes, at his Etsy shop, Baron Von Soap. And there's a link down there in the show notes. Now, as Matt says, he did this is cold processed soap and the scents range from simple to exotic to mystical. You have to go and check it out to see for yourself. But if you want to take Matt's advice and have a very special soap on hand, in case you happen to run into some temperamental movie star goddess vampire creature 
thing and you want to appease her, take Matt's advice and check out his leopard print soap, which smells of tobacco and bourbon, which is perfect if you love musky, spicy scents. And apparently the scent, I haven't tried it myself. It's in my shopping cart right now. But according to the reviews, the scent is subtle and natural and not overwhelming. And the lather is creamy and refreshing. This person is in love with leopard print soap. And I just have to say, if you run into Betty Davis, and Betty Davis happens to be this movie star goddess vampire monster thing, and you need to appease her, a soap that smells of tobacco and bourbon is probably really going to do the trick. Thank you, darling. This smells wonderful. And also, I led you astray. I said that the, the soap that I had the mystical experience with was the Hecate soap, which actually I have, but I have the Hecate red wine soap, which I have, but I haven't tried yet. I had the trip on the Kifi Egyptian Temple incense soap. And really, if you're going to go on an exotic mental trip based on olfactory memory, I would say an Egyptian Temple incense soap is the way to do that. What does that mean? It means it smells like frankincense, myrrh, cedar, juniper, ginger, cinnamon, dragon's blood, and honey. Sounds very exotic, doesn't it? Well, you should go try it. You should go on over to bit.ly slash Baron Von Soap. Use the promo code STORY to save 20% off your order. The holidays are coming up. These are great stocking stuffers. Tell your friends and your family how much you love them and that you want them to smell better. And not just better, smell fabulous. Smell fabulous with Baron Von Soap. Again, that information is all down there in the show notes. Use it or lose it because this offer won't last forever. So my final thoughts on Starry Eyes, I've got pretty much everything I wanted to say out during the episode, but I did want to point out that Starry Eyes was the first movie that made me start looking at movies in this way where I look for clues that there might be something below the surface. I'm always looking for something not obvious because a good screenwriter isn't going to just pick names at random. So when I hear a name like Estrella Studios that sticks out because it's weird, I say, what, what does that mean? I have to go look up what it means and find out why did they pick this name for the studio? Why did they pick this name for this character? Why did they pick this name for this place that we're going to? And often I'll find a whole other world to start getting lost in. And this is the movie that really encouraged me to start doing that, which led me to things like St. Maud, where I said, what happens if we flip the script? And this is actually a happy story about the birth of a saint for real. And she's not crazy. And many of the movies like that. So that whole drive of looking at movies in a different way is what's driving this whole season, this whole season of Scream Queens. So I invite you to start doing the same. Why just take things at face value? There's usually a lot much more lurking under the surface that's more exciting and more juicy and more rich and often a lot scarier too. One of the things I'm kicking myself over about this episode is that I forgot to ask my zinger question to my guests while they were here. And my question was this, if this cabal of Movie star goddess women is real. Of all these old time black and white 30s, 40s movie stars, if all of those women, even some of those women, were these goddesses like portrayed in this movie, if they're still around now, who do you think is one of them? And I had a lot of fun with this. I was thinking like I started thinking of well, who who would have been who would have been the goddesses back then? And I said, Well, immediately, I think I mentioned in in the um the show, Liz Taylor, has such a tumultuous life, impetuous life, does what she wants, when she wants, beloved, hated, adored, feared. Same thing with Joan. Um Joan Crawford. People were terrified of her, yet we still obsess over her. Those ones, those movie stars that have been dead for 60 years, that have only that only did three or four movies, like James Dean. Why do we still obsess over them? Maybe because he's immortal, because he was a god, just like in this movie. So I said, who among our current bunch of Hollywood movie stars right now, who do you think is one of them? And while I don't have an answer for Matt or Maya, personally, I think Anya Taylor-Joy. 
is 100% a movie star vampire goddess monster thing. Because she can do no wrong. She's hypnotic on camera. I obsess over her. And there's something unearthly about her. And I want to give her my leopard print soap. I'm curious to know, what do you think? If there are modern day movie star gods and goddesses that are transcending humanity, who do you think they are? Let me know. And how do you do that? Well, you can let me know on social media because you find me on Facebook at Scream Queens. And I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast. And I'm on threads at Scream Queens Podcast. So find me there. Or you can email me at crew at screamqueens.com. That also works. You can leave me a voicemail over at screamqueens.com. We'll use that little uh, tab on the right-hand side of the page. You've got two minutes to leave me a message. And I want to hear from you. It would be nice because the holidays are coming up. So next time, I'm not going to make you wait an extra week. I want to get back on schedule. So you will be getting a Thanksgiving episode. And it is a bonus episode. You are going to hear from Dan Kelly, Scare Bear Dan from Boys, Bears, and Scares. Because you're getting a very special episode of It Came From the 70s because we're talking about Home for the Holidays from 1972 starring Sally Field. Because nothing says Merry Christmas like a pitchfork in the gullet. Oh, yeah. And after that, we'll be back with regular episodes. And I'm very excited to have for my next guest, uh, the fabulous Kristen Petty and Alyssa Simon, who are going to be here to be talking about the lesbian romance slash possession movie. Attachment, which is available on Shutter. So I think that's all I've got for you right now. So for all of you out there who are celebrating Thanksgiving next week, have a very, very happy holiday. For those of you who aren't, have a happy day anyway. Have a great Thursday that day. And not only do I want you to have a happy holiday, I want you to have a creepy holiday too. But Patrick, how do I do that? Well, simple. You do that by following the Scream Queen's golden rules. Stay along with me, kids. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Stay safe. Stay healthy. But most of all, stay fabulous, baby. Yow. Gobble, gobble. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.